because when you discover God's plans and purposes, He empowers you, He equips you, He leads you, He directs you, and He shows you exactly what to do. That's epic. Look at somebody and say epic. So we also have um, some flyers out at the front. Please uh, make sure you grab some with you. If you need a gospel soul winning script, you can grab one too. And uh, we also have some VPK little uh, flyers. If you know people that have kids and they need childcare, please grab some of those and hand them out to family and friends. Awesome. Let me look across the room. Looks like things are growing here on a Wednesday evening. So who's, uh, this is like your second Wednesday night here or first Wednesday night here. Raise your hand in the air. Santi, put your hand down. Awesome. Good to have you guys here. Thanks for coming out tonight. Come on, give them a big round of applause. So on Sunday mornings, you know, we have our main worship service. But Wednesday evenings, we go a little bit deeper. Um, we want to equip you f- for the work of ministry. Everybody say that. Say Wednesday nights. We want to equip you for the work of ministry. You know, we, we want to mature you. We want you to grow up in the things of God. And so, uh, you know, we, we deal with different things on a Wednesday night. Um, we sometimes deal with stuff that we sometimes need to take care of in the house, like you know, uh, house rules, people are out of order, we need to get the whoop out and, you know, get them back in order, you know, because when people are out of line, you know, these first-time attenders are looking at me like I'm psycho right now. No, I'm just kidding, we're not that crazy. And then some people are like, uh, no, you are. So, tonight. I want to share some things from God's Word. Father, I thank you that your Word, sharper than a two-edged sword, divides between soul, spirit, joint, marrow, judges the innermost intentions and thoughts of the heart. Father, tonight I thank you that as we minister from your Word, that it brings revelation and life to us in the mighty, awesome, powerful name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. So I know we have a lot of uh, new younger people up in the building tonight, and I used to be young, like you. And I'm young at heart, you know. I'm actually the senior youth pastor around here. I'm, I'm the senior youth pastor of all those that are young at heart. Now, because if you're an adult in this place, you're young at heart. You definitely are, right? So I remember the day I was 16 years old. I, uh, my mom and my older brother decided that I needed Jesus. So they sent me to a revival meeting to Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. He was in town and uh, sent me to a revival meeting. I thought I was going to Johannesburg uh, to go hang out with my brother and party. And I was bragging to all my friends that I was going up there. Come to find out I was going to church. Not much to talk about after that, right? I got to this church. I heard this guy preaching, didn't know what he was talking about. And then like three hours later, he asked me if I knew Jesus and if, if I go to heaven when I died and suddenly my heart started beating and I realized I needed what he was talking about. And I struggled to make the decision, but I finally lifted my hand in the air and quickly put it down. And then after I'd done that, he said, well, those that raise their hands, please get up and come to the front. 
And I hesitated. I was like, no way. It's I, a big church, 5,000 people. Go walk down in front of everybody. I don't know if I want to do that right now. But my heart was beating and I knew I needed it. So I got up out of my chair and I went down to the front. And as I walked down to the front, I began to cry, which I don't do. And the closer I got to the front, the more I cried, which was very strange to me because I wasn't sad. And then when I got to the front, I prayed the prayer. How many of you prayed the sinner's prayer? Anybody prayed the prayer? Prayer of salvation? I prayed that same prayer you prayed. And then he laid his hands on me and the power of God hit me and I was on the floor. I was on the floor laughing and weeping for felt like hours. And at midnight, they were closing the church doors. My brothers picked me up off the floor and they carried me to the car and I was wrecked for the rest of the night. 3 a.m. in the morning, my brothers were throwing shoes at me, telling me to shut up because it wasn't funny. And so I had my first encounter with God, and God was real. In that moment, God became real to me. Has any of you had that moment where God became absolutely real to you? So, you know, we, we have these encounters with God, and we discover that God is real. But what is the purpose of the encounter? Right? We come to the front, we get hands laid on us, we feel the power of God, we fall out under the power, we laugh, we cry, we shake, we feel fire, we feel electricity, we scream, we have all these emotions, we laugh, but what is, what is this all about and what is it for, right? And I want us to go to a story in the Bible, go to the book of Exodus, because these encounters have a purpose, Everybody say, my encounters with God are for a purpose. It's not just to feel things. It's not just to laugh or cry. There's something that's actually happening in that encounter. How many of you can say, yep, it's true. It's more than just laughing and crying. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to read a little bit here. You guys can put it up on the screen. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go and see it. How many of you have ever felt the fire of God burning on you? But yet you're not being consumed, right? Then the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look. And God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? 
Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell him? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing, from her Egyptian neighbors, and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. But Moses protested again. I mean, it sounds like us, doesn't it? God asks us to do something, but God, why God? Send someone else, God. I can't do it. Me? Why me? What about Chris? But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is it that is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord, God, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him, and then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with severe skin disease. Or leprosy. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. And the Lord said to Moses, if they don't believe you and they're not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it on dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn 
the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. And now, and not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or not? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! And I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. (laughs) Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron? Aaron, the Levite. I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both what to do. Aaron will be your spokesperson to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God uh, for, for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I have shown you. It's pretty powerful. So here we read the story about Moses. He's on the backside of the desert tending sheep, been out there 40 years. And one day he has a burning bush experience where he sees the fire of God burning a bush and he goes to check it out to see what on earth is happening here because he's never seen a bush on fire and not being consumed. And God spoke to him from the fire. Look at the person next to you and say, when the fire of God comes on you, God's going to speak to you from the fire. How many of you have had the presence of God come upon you and you hear God speak or you see God show you things? The whole purpose of these encounters is for God to give you clear instructions. God wants to give you assignments. God wants to show you His plans and purposes for your life. God wants to reveal secret things to you, right? That's what the purpose of getting into the presence of God is all about so that we can hear the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, God is going to lead you. God is going to guide you. God is going to direct you. He's going to instruct you. He's going to empower you. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to tell you exactly what He wants you to do. But you've got to make a decision that when God calls you, when God speaks to you, that you don't resist God. That you don't come up with all kinds of excuses why you cannot do what God is calling you to do. Because let me tell you something. When God calls you, He didn't make a mistake. He knows exactly who He's calling. And if there's things that you don't have, God will fix those things for you. Am I not the Lord who causes the mouth to speak? He could have taken Moses' stutter away. Because He's God. And what I think is really interesting, God gave him detailed instructions. God showed him how to perform miraculous signs. I mean, what an encounter. Put your hand in your cloak, take it out, put it back in. Take your staff, throw it on the ground, turn it into a snake, freak the guy out. Ah, Pick it up. I don't know if I want to pick that up. And he says to him, I'm sending you in there. Pharaoh's not going to let these people go, but I'm going to come down on him with a heavy hand. And it says, shows him miraculous signs, turning stuff into blood. And then he says to him, when you leave, you're going to leave. 
you guys will be out of there. This is the mountain you're coming to. He told him the exact place that they would go to, to worship him. Not only that, he said, when you leave, you're going to strip them of all their wealth. God is going to make provision for your journey wherever he sends you. And so we can see clearly here that the, the purpose of these encounters, the purpose for going up onto the mountain of God with clean hands and pure hearts and seeking God and pursuing God is so that we can get the mind of God. We can get the will of God. We can get the purposes of God and we can be God's body in the earth. I will go send me. Here, God sends Moses, one man, to deliver millions of people out of slavery. One encounter with God empowered a man to deliver a nation from slavery. So one encounter with God, God can turn you into a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. It doesn't matter what your past is. When you look at Moses' past, he killed a man. I don't think we have any murderers in the house. And God used him. So if God can use somebody who was a murderer, then God can use you. Open your Bible to the book of Psalm 139. So I want to clearly show you what's available to you. You know, we get saved. We come to church. What is this whole relationship with God all about? In verse 15, it says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand on the sea, and when I wake up, you're with me. What I want you to know and understand tonight is that God has got good thoughts about your life. And actually, God thought about your life and God knew who you were before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Before you came out of your mother's womb and took your first breath, God already knew who you were and He had a plan for your life. Say, God has got a plan for my life. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, you, For we are God's masterpiece. I mean, that's a masterpiece. Woo! You would say masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good works that He planned for us long ago. I want you to know that you are a masterpiece. You in Christ Jesus have been created brand new, and God has got some good works. Say good works. Good things that He has planned for you to do. So God has got some good plans for you. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Say, God's got good plans for me. God's got a good future for me. God's got good works for me to do. God knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. God has got a book of good thoughts about my life. There was somebody thinking about you before you were born. It's God, the one who created you. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. 
Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So before you were born, God had already appointed you who you were and your assignment and what you were going to do. And here's the thing, family. You have to decide, am I going to figure out my own plan for my life? Am I going to live to please my parents and do their plan for my life? Am I going to live to please my friends and follow their plan? Am I going to just do whatever the media tells me to do? Or am I going to make a decision that I'm going to pursue God and discover everything that God had planned for me before I was formed, before I was born, before the foundation of the world, to know the plans, the purposes, the works, the masterpiece that He created me to be? I want to know that kind of stuff. Can you say amen? Because when you discover God's plans and purposes, He empowers you, He equips you, He leads you, He directs you, and He shows you exactly what to do. And He will provide the provision that you need so that you can get the job done. And if you need wisdom, you'll just ask Him and He'll give it to you. God will show you things to come. And whatever obstacle is in your way, no matter what giant stands in your way, no matter what Pharaoh says, no, I defy your God, God will bring that giant down because God's word will not return unto him void. So if God says to you, go into the world, preach the good news, signs and wonders will follow, guess what? Then if you'll obey him, God will be with you and God will watch over his word to perform it. Whose report will you believe? <laughs> report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. No, I just went there. So I asked the, the Lord this question. Lord, when I get saved, when I come to the altar and get saved, why not in that moment just unload the whole package? Save me, heal me, deliver me, set me free from all my hurt, pain, disappointments. Go ahead and download the full plan that you have before for my life. Show me everything that is to come. Plug me up with the Holy Ghost. Show me, unlock every gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Provide, ching, ching, all of a sudden money fall from heaven. Ah! <laughs> Why does it not happen all in an instant? And here's what I want you to know, is that God has set up a reward system. Look at the person next to you and say, there is a reward system. And if you don't work and operate according to the reward system, there's no benefit for you. You see, God doesn't like spoiled, self-righteous, entitled, people that think God owes you something. God doesn't owe you anything. You were destined for hell. And God loved you enough to send His one and only Son while you were still a rebel and hated Him, didn't know Him, didn't follow Him, using the temple He gave you as an instrument for sin and your own pleasure. He delivered you from death and the grave. You should be thankful and give your life to Him and say, God, because of what you've done for me, I will serve you the rest of my life whether you bless me or not. 
Because just being delivered from hell is more of a blessing than you can ever imagine. Because that, the God I serve, He's the creator of pain. He knows how to make it painful. Anyway, <laughs> Hebrews 11.6. Say Hebrews. It's proof that men should make coffee. This is Gigi's favorite scripture. Say without faith, <clears throat> it is impossible to please God. Those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say God has got a system of reward. So how does this system of reward work? Number one, say number one, you must believe that God exists. The book of Romans chapter 4 tells us, faith is believing that God will do what he promised. Say faith is believing that God will do what he promised. You see, when you find a scripture in the Bible, you find a promise from God. And your job is to believe. Say, my job is to believe what God says. You see, what does the devil want to do? He wants to get you to doubt what God said. If God gives you a word, he's going to come and say, did God really say? If God says, you're my son, he's going to come say, if you are the son of God, prove it. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to believe God. And that's what God requires of you. Everybody can believe. Can you say amen? So number one, you need to believe that God exists. But number two, you've got to understand that he's looking for something from you. Say, this is the key. The most important key. God is looking for you to seek diligently. Say, seek let me show you several scriptures. Go to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So here, once again, God is saying you have to ask, you have to seek, and then you will find. God doesn't just give you stuff. Pastor Chris was saying the exact same thing a few minutes ago. This is a covenant. There's things that you need to do so that you can receive what God has for you. Say, so I got to ask. I got to seek. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Jesus speaking, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty, everybody say thirsty, may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he was said this, said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. Once again, Jesus is saying two things. Number one, you need to believe in me. Say, believe in me. You have to believe in Jesus. Number two, you have to be thirsty. What does thirsty mean? You've got to be desperate. You've got to be seeking. You've got to be desiring. When you're thirsty, 
You know how people, you know how you are when you're thirsty. I need something to drink. You'll drink lukewarm, cold, stale water that sat out three days if you can't find anything. You come off the sports field sweating and you're thirsty. I need something to drink. I need something to drink now. When you get thirsty, you get desperate. And God is expecting you to come to Him, believing that He is, but you're going to come thirsty. You've got to come desperate. You've got to come seeking. You've got to come asking. You've got to come knocking. Everybody with me? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal, right? But you should also desire, everybody say desire, the special abilities that the Spirit gives. The Amplified Classic says this, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire His love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So here once again, he's saying, walk in love, let that be your highest goal, but you need to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So if you want to operate in spiritual gifts, healing, miracles, prophecy, if you want to see God do supernatural things through you, you have to seek it, you have to desire it, you have to go after it, you have to ask God for it, you got to knock. It's not just going to fall into your lap. Can you say amen? Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God has a reward system that requires you to ask, to seek, to go in search of, to go looking for, to find. You have to make an attempt. You have to be thirsty. You have to be needing. You have to be wanting. You have to be hungry. You have to have a strong desire. You have to have a craving. You've got to have an urgency about it. You need to pursue. You need to seek to attain. You've got to believe that He exists. And that He will reward you if you come looking for the things with that kind of an expectancy. This is the key to continual growth. This is a key to continual encounters with God. If you lose this, if you become complacent about church, oh, that's just Pastor Nick. I've heard him a hundred times. Oh, it's just another offering message. Oh, we're just going to go soul winning again. Oh, it's just another prayer night. I don't really have time for that. When you become complacent and indifferent about the things of God, you will lose that hunger. You will lose that thirst. You will lose that seeking, that desiring, and you will get nothing from God. Can you say amen? And so what am I saying tonight? Don't get comfortable don't become indifferent about God's Word, going to church, worship, giving. You've got to guard your heart with all diligence and don't become lukewarm. Can you say amen? The key that I'm giving you tonight, look at the person next to you and say the key to continual encounters, to discovering all the mysteries, secrets, plans and purposes that God has for your life is found 
and you being hungry, seeking, looking, pressing in, desiring, and not giving up until you get the reward. Say, it's available to me. Stand with me. God is not trying to keep something from you. He's keeping it for you. But there's a reward system that you have to engage in. And every one of us can do this. You see, God isn't asking for $50,000. Because I don't even have $50,000 to give right now. So people who have 50 can now acquire it. But God has chosen to use something that everybody can do. But it's up to you. What is the degree of your desire? How badly do you want it? God's not keeping it from you. He's waiting for you to engage in the reward system that he's set up. And if you'll activate it, you can have it. Lift your hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, tonight, according to your word, you said that if we ask, we will receive. If we keep on asking, we will find. Lord, if we knock, the door will be opened. If we continue to knock, you'll open that door, God. You said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. You said if we believe in you and we come seeking that we will find, Lord God. And so, Heavenly Father, tonight, I thank you that there is a hunger that is stirring on the inside of us, Lord God. I thank you tonight, through us preaching this word to your people tonight, God, there's a deposit that has been made that is encouraging us to pursue you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And Lord, we believe that you're God and that you watch over your word to perform it, that you're not a man that you should lie. And Lord, you say something's available. We believe that you will be faithful to fulfill your promise because your promise is yes and amen. Father, tonight we are stirring ourselves up to go after the deeper things, to not just sit back idly. I thank you tonight that complacency breaks. I thank you tonight, Lord God, that we come out of the comfort and indifferent zone and that we begin to press forward. We begin to move forward. We begin to pursue God with everything that we have and to tap in to everything that you have for our lives, Lord God. Father, tonight, I thank you for stirring us with a, with a holy uh, hunger. With, with, I feel it on the inside, God. There's a stirring happening on the inside of us that we are tired of where we're at. We will not be complacent any longer. We will press in for the deeper things. Say that I'm pressing in tonight. Tonight, things are changing in my life. I'm putting aside the distractions. I'm not going to let the world and all its ways consume my mind. I'm not going to give my body to be used as an instrument of sin. I am holy. I am set apart. I've been called by God. God has got good plans for me. He's got purposes for me. He's got provision for me. He's got a good future for me. He's going to bless me. And I'm going to bless others. In the mighty name of Jesus, can you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah! I'm just so glad to be.